Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur, and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley. A familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business, and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips, and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Well, hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to, if you're listening live, the very first broadcast of 2024. Oh, my goodness. All right. Welcome to the Forbes Factory. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness, and I've got a guest today that I've been very, very excited to bring to you that I've wanted to sit down and talk to for maybe five or so years. He just, I don't know, hard to get, you know, that's when you're that popular, that amazing. Uh, but let me give you a little insight as to where in the world Forbes Riley is, bring you up to date. Um, what a great amazing 2023 was. For some of you, maybe not so good. This one, I'm going to go, yay. We starred in a movie. We did two television series. We knock on wood, everyone's fit and healthy. And it's not always been that way. So I'm grateful for what it is. And tonight, if you're listening live, and I know many of you are all across the world from on our Facebook, on our YouTube channels, we're doing Naked Mastermind. Just so you know, yeah, we start out the year. It's our second annual uh, event. Uh, we've excited and confused a lot of people. But in fact, our Zoom call will be 100% naked tonight, at least from Jeffrey's like, oh, my God, I can see him in the back room going, what is she doing? Uh, for those of you who are a little worried, some of my conservative guests, let's just say you wear more at the beach than you're going to see tonight. Uh, it's certainly Skin from the shoulders up. What's very funny, though, is when you look around the room, you don't normally see men without their tops on. Uh, and we don't ask our guests to stand up. But we do have David Meltzer coming and a whole bunch of celebrity television guests from some of my favorite soap operas are showing up. And it's going to be a very revealing evening. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but as we're starting this year, you know, we're setting intentions. Having Jeffrey as my very first guest, Mr. Jeffrey Hazlett of C-Suite. He is a phenomenal uh, businessman and just a great statistician and so many things you're going to want to connect to because I'm all about success. You know, we talk about fit with Forbes, right? What is being fit? Emotionally fit, spiritually fit, financially fit. Um, how does it all fit together? And as someone who's been around the block more than once, uh, I figured out a few things. I love sharing it. I love teaching and training. We now have about 28,000 students since we started our company online. How's that for crazy? I didn't even know I could be doing this or wanted to be doing this. Turns out the greatest joy in my life has been success by watching you guys, uh, my, my students, my coaches, achieve a level of success that some of you never even comprehended before. You know, we always say as expected in my life. We don't say, oh my God, Forbes, I can't believe this. No, just as expected. I don't know if I expected such a sense of gratitude and, and wealth of content. So I am a little surprised by it um, and how catchy it is to be standing in these shoes right now. So I see my guest sitting in the waiting room drooling. Just wipe that little thing right off your cheek here. Uh, for those of you watching live, you can find us on Facebook. For those of you listening everywhere from iTunes to Pandora to Spotify, we're all over the place. But mostly we're here, right here on Voice America. So Jeffrey... Hazlett. You know, there's a lot of introduction I could do, but I'm a big fan of not doing the introduction. So I'm going to bring him right here and add a spotlight and just say hi. We will we'll uncover who he is. I hate when people read these long intros. So how you doing there, Jeff? 
I am doing great. And by the way, I I caught you on the Weather Channel today. So congrats on that. I, I don't even know what you were selling, but I said, there's Forbes. I got so excited. So it was great seeing you this morning on TV doing a pitch for someone on something. I can't even remember what it was, but you know, I should have I- paid more attention to that. Well, I will tell you what, uh, as we're growing and coming back into the world uh, of television, I forgot that television was even there for a while. I think during the pandemic, everything was streaming for me. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, um, understanding how to do influencer deals, products. That's always been my lifeline. I I love products. I love things that you can touch and feel and hold and promote. But I will tell you for the last three years, I put my products aside and really focused on coaching focused on humanity, but you've always been in that space. You know, you and I circled around for decades. So I'm going to let it come from you. Tell everybody a little bit about Mr. Jeffrey Hazlett. Well, you know, I'm just a guy from South Dakota trying to make a living. I mean, that's the way I describe it. But, you know, in my life, I bought and sold over 250 companies, well over 25 billion, been a fortune, you know, 100 officer, a primetime television host on Bloomberg and now C-suite TV and and a you know a podcaster on CBS Radio. I helped them to get started with their podcast network when they started with that and became their one of their four big anchors uh, heading that program. And then I took it and created C-Suite Radio. Now we have 450 podcast shows and doing 50 million downloads and just having a blast. That you know that's all I'm doing is helping to put together a trusted network of C-Suite executives that and and the people who serve them. And just having a blast. So you know, I you naked naked mastermind. I, I want to go. I, yeah. You know, I I would probably scare everybody out of there, but it would just be fun because you know that's the way I live my life. I you know it, it, metaphorically naked. I mean, right. It is what what you see is what you get with me. That's the way I've always been, and it's certainly people are through this hour that we'll spend together will certainly get a good sense of hey, this guy just says it like it is, and that's that's who I am. You know, and most of the times on my TV shows or even my books or whatever, you know, people always say that might, did he just say that? Did he say that? Because that's just the way I am. I think it's a lot easier to do that. And so, uh, cause you know, it's hard enough being yourself. Why would you want to be somebody else and fake it? Or, you know, it's just, well, a but lot you of- couldn't, yeah. wait, 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 you couldn't really do that. You were the CMO of a very large company that yeah. I don't think Kodak doesn't exist anymore. Do they? Yeah, they do. They, they went bankrupt a couple of years ago. You know, I left back in 2010, but uh, but the writing was certainly on the wall that it was really a tough transition. We, you know, we kept them alive a lot longer than they should have been because they totally missed the digital revolution. You know, they had the chance of it. They created the you know first digital camera. They they were such innovators. They just believed that they were a film company when they were never a film company. They were an emotional technology company. So yeah, when you're at those those levels doing things, you have to be you know, very forthright. You have to be matter of fact and things because, you know, anything you can say or do could cause a material change, which could plummet the stock of the company. Or, you know, you just, you you always make sure that if you're representing a brand like that, or, or quite frankly, any brand, because a brand is nothing but a promise delivered, you have to really walk the talk. I went to University of Rochester. Where Did you really? Kodak. Yeah. My goodness. Oh my gosh. So did you, were you up in Rochester? Was that part oh, of yeah. You? I was up on State Street on the 17th floor. My <laughs> office, if you look up at that building, which is still there today, you look up at that building, my my office was under the K. Under oh, the that's K. very funny. What years <laughs> yeah. were that? Uh, I was there through 2006 to 2010. So really, you know, some pretty tough years when you think about 2008, the, you know, the massive recession that we were in at that time. Uh, the downturn of the economic uh, crisis that we faced. Yeah, I was there right during that 
that time, probably one of the best educations I ever got in my life, you know, because I moved from Main Street in Sioux Falls, South Dakota to Wall, you know, basically to Wall Street. Well, wait, you know? So wait, let, let's slow down for a second, because it, it for people catching up, it's a little bit a lot. Because uh, we are talking about, well, you know, because we all had a Kodak camera if you're a certain age. Yeah, Let's go yeah. back to little young Jeffrey for a second. Because yeah. when you were talking about being a disruptive, being a free thinker, and I, when I think of corporate, I don't think of that kind of a person. How did you even get to where you were? What did your dad do for a living? My dad was in the military. He was a sergeant in the United States Air Force, did three tours in Vietnam. Uh, we were basically lived from air, you know Air Force Base. I never went to a school more than a couple of years at any given place because we were constantly moving around during that time. My mother was a bookkeeper who later became a real estate agent and then ran a very successful real estate franchise. Five different offices really, you know, built the wealth of the family um, at that time. Although I'd already gone, I moved out of the house when I was sixteen, been on my own ever since, and. Uh, met my wife in college. We've been married now for 42 years, together for 43. Really? Yeah, it's amazing, uh, you know, because we've watched so many of our friends. I've gone to two or three of their weddings, you know. <laughs> so, How which many is, divorces did you go to? Yeah, a lot of divorces, too. Yeah, and by the way, when someone has a divorce, you never know whether to say congratulations or condolences. But I you know, just say congratulations. I think yeah. it's a chapter. You closed it. Move on. And yay. Yeah. And we grow. And, and luckily, there's, you know, there's people like me. Look, I know me. I wouldn't be married to me. So, you know, I'm lucky to have somebody that sticks with me for this doggone long and knows my ups and my downs like every every human being has. And so she's just uh, and a big cheerleader for me as well, without question. But she she's the one I'd be dead if I weren't with her. I know that that's a fact. I'd be dead. I would have worked myself into the ground. I would have uh, had so many addictions because of the kind of personality that I am, you know, person that I am, but like most people, I would have just, you know, worked myself to, and by the way, work is an addiction. If you, you know, for those that don't know that you, you can, you can, you can have problems with all kinds of addictions and we're being a workaholic is one of those. Yeah. I kind of straddle that. And I credit my second husband for that, for just being a, a lot of fun and going, let's, let's get away from here and travel and eat meals. Yeah. And cause I love what I do as well. So you set out, your dad is doing all this, you not you don't have a stable, you know, group of friends, which I think is fascinating because I didn't have any friends growing up. I had yeah. a very strange childhood. Uh, physically, I had a very strange nose and braces and I couldn't talk for two years. And oh, it led wow. to a very unique upbringing, which as I reflect upon it in my speeches and I talk about all the time, congratulations for me. Because if you're somebody who judged your worth by other people accepting you or liking you or being part of a group. I never had that. I never had to worry about yeah. that. It sounds like you're a little similar in that. What did well, you set out to want to be doing? I, you know, just to, well, to one, survive, eat, you know, because when you, you know, I literally I moved out of the house when I was 16. I was working full time while I was, you know, in high school doing all that, still student body president and all that kind of stuff. But um, just be better than I want to have and build wealth. I mean, I, you know, there, I have three rules for my life around one's build wealth because that that's how we keep score. And I want a, a life for my children and my grandchildren and those that come after a, a, to have a better life than I had. Um, and to be better prepared. Second, I want to learn new things. I love learning. I love, I read, I'm a voracious reader. I saw somebody bragging about reading 20 books. I've got 20 books. What are you talking about? That's nothing. You know, that's a, that's a month and a half, right? You know, but, um, wow. you know, learning is one and then, and then having, you know, enjoying what I do, liking what I do, liking the people around me. Those are my, those are my clear conditions of satisfaction. So when someone said, hey, you know, you had this you had this dream, what was it? I didn't have that. My dream was surviving 
first and then, right? And then uh, doing the things that led me to, I just knew it would be bigger than what I was doing and it would be big. I always knew that. I always had that feeling that I would always be there. You know, I was going to succeed. I was always going to do it. That doesn't mean you don't have voices in your head. I just stopped listening to them a long time ago. Well, let me ask you a quick question, which is really interesting. What's your first memory in life? I know that sounds crazy and a little offbeat, but. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. My One of my first memories is of my grandmother. I burned my hand. That's about three. That's probably when I three had to be around three because she died when I was very young. And I was I put my hand on the stove and burned it my hand. And my grandmother grabbed a stick of butter and put it on my hand. That's and what my, would, okay. What was your decision about life based on that moment? Do you think? Well, there's always someone there that's going to be there in your worst and darkest times. Probably that's it. I mean, if you really look down it, right? And then don't do that again. That was <laughs> don't do that well, again. No, but that's like, fascinating because I, I learned that I, message, right? You learn well, that message. You get that message, but you make a decision about life. And part, when I've met very successful people, I do a lot of traumatic healing of people who've had very bad traumatic first memories. And their decisions about life then become, I shouldn't be seen, I should hide, I'm afraid. And yours is quite the opposite. The fact that there's always people there to help you allow you to be a businessman. That's well, literally... you have to realize that there are people there to help you. Not to here to do. You're not going to do this on your own. There's no way. There's other people. You got to surround yourself with all these. Different no, people. that's you what's know. interesting. Is you don't see. You had yeah. the ability. Your first memory cemented that. And I've discovered that's what truly seems to separate very successful people. Mm-hmm. These decisions in your hard drive about how life operates. Well, you know, a lot of times, a lot of interviewers, uh, as you know, will ask you, "What's you know, um, what's your biggest mistake?" And I, I always go, "I don't know. I haven't made it yet." Meaning I'm going to make a bigger one. I've always had a failure, right? There's always been failure. You always have failures, right? I don't remember all those. And I don't remember all the bad things. And I don't remember all the, you know. Well, right, but I have a different question. I'm going to interrupt you for yeah. a second. Not yeah. the biggest. But how do you handle mistakes and failure is more interesting to me. Big deal. They're going to happen. That's what's part of it. That's the way you got to get to where you got to go. I mean, if you don't have that, you can't have the good thing. So, you know, it's you're going to fail. It's not about it's not about it's not about failing fast. It's about winning fast. And so I concentrate more on what I need to do to win, knowing full well I'm going to fail. You know, I'm I'm a former athlete. You might not look like it, but I'm a former athlete. <laughs> I know that I made a lot of bad blocks. I fumbled the balls. I did all the bad things. I got my butt kicked, whatever. But I also know I got backed up and I did it again. And I did it again. I did it better because I learned from those things. And and that's the things I, you know, that's just how I look at my life. I It's not perfect, but did anyone die? No one died. Move on. Let's go. I have a new book for you and I had a co-author called Stick of Butter. Yeah, you know Stick of Butter. I like Stick of Butter. Stick, stick of Butter. Butter. Stick butter. Because butter. that's, you know, you can always fix a problem and don't do it again. Yeah. Like, <laughs> by the way, butter's just damn good. It's just good. That's the other it thing. It is if you're, on a, if you're in on a meat diet. Yes. As long as you don't oh, mix man, it with More of carbs. it, more of it, more of it. You know? You know what? I'll I tell you what. My ex-father-in-law is 91 years old, lives on mayonnaise and butter. Yeah, my grandmother was 105 when she died. And, you know, and if you knew the things she ate, and most people would freak out, you know. So I'm I'm more with that diet. That's hysterical. Hey, guys, we've got one minute left before our very first break. I want to tell you we're having definitely a fun conversation. Hopefully I'm going to ask you questions that nobody else has ever asked you. Uh, but I'm loving this. I'm loving the energy and the positivity. And we're going to come back with a little bit more about how entrepreneurs can figure out how to maybe up their 2024 with the help of Mr. Jeffrey Hazlett. We'll be right back after this message. Don't go away.
Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now, back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forbes Factor. We focus on health, wealth, and happiness. And today I'm with an amazing guest who I'm just delighted by. You know, you guys know me. It's Conversations are very free-flowing, whatever kind of happens and comes out of this. But I want to circle back to the idea that you took this beautiful spirit you have and you ventured into corporate world. Why did yeah. you do that? Well, it's because that's where the big games are played. If you want to play, I mean, I was in politics for a number of years, ran political campaigns, and then I realized, well, the real money's over here, and and so that's what pulled me. And that's where the real, you know, you talk about big games are played. The stuff they do in Washington, that's that's peanuts. Now, it, it is in terms of important and everything else, but it's a lot of people who have never, quite frankly, succeeded in other places. There's some good leaders, without question. Don't get me wrong. No cards, no letters, please. But you know, if you really want to see where things are done, if you really want to see the battleground of what it is to be independent and be free, you talk about the free enterprise system, you talk about business. And so, and you know, I wanted that credential of being a Fortune 100 officer. I mean, that's a very elite group of people. It's like, it's it's more, it's bigger than being a professional athlete, quite frankly. You know, there's more people there. If you take officers in Fortune 100 companies, there's only 500 of us in the world, you know, five officers per company. If you take that times, uh, you know, Fortune 1000, there's only 5,000 people in the world, okay? And it, there are more people playing professional football than there are Fortune 1000 officers. And so when you look at that, that's a, the elite of the elite of the elite. And I happen to, I love playing in that game. I like playing in a big boys, big girls game. 
And um, and that's where it was. And and so and by the way, think of it as a, a small community. We know each other. We all know who's who. I mean, at that level, just like if you think about professional baseball, professional football, soccer, whatever, everybody knows everybody or at least knows of those people, even if you haven't played against them, so to speak. So right. that's a very elite group. And so, yeah, that's like, you know, being the all-stars. And so when you're at a Fortune 100, and so that was a great credential to have, an unbelievable experience for us. I can't even tell you, you know, how many times. It, by the way, was I prepared for it? Heck no. I remember sitting there the, one of the first days going, man, this place is screwed up. Somebody ought to do something. And then I looked around and went, oh, wait, that's me. I have to do well, something. And so what credential do you to get to that position? I had helped uh, them buy and sell a couple of billion dollars worth of companies. You know, in my career, I've been able to see things and say, hey, you should really look at this. And I saw a couple of companies and I went to Kodak and said, this is at the core of what you do at the intersect between imaging science and material science. And you should really look at this company and it'll help. And by the way, the companies that are there today are the companies that I sold them way back in 2000, 2004, 2005. Wow. And, and when I finally sold them a couple of companies and was involved in those transactions, that's when they said, hey, no, you're going to come over here. And I said, sure, I'll do that. But I want it, you know, based on these credentials or these not credentials, these this criteria. And part of that is I wanted strategy because, you know, I had in, you know vision that, well, hey, maybe I can come to this CEO of this company or of another company of that size. You know, when you think about a $180 billion company, I was running a $17 billion marketing budget. You know, I mean, the uh, you know, these are these are some pretty big numbers. And so having come from a three-person, you know, public relations consulting firm, right. uh, which I did to that role was was eye-opening, you know, because I'd be sitting in these meetings now managing billions of dollars. And, um, you know, and, and and I literally, my father-in-law asked me, he was a farmer from a rancher from South Dakota. He said, how do you do that? I said, Bob, I said, all I do is take the zeros off the numbers. I said, if it's a good decision in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, then it's a good decision on Wall Street, just bigger numbers. And that's the way you have to look at things. And that's just how I always do things. I break it down pretty quick. And so what's a takeaway for the, us entrepreneurs? I, you know, it's funny. Until just this moment, I really never thought about the level of C-suite executives and what they're in charge yeah. of and how what those numbers really are. Uh, I certainly know entrepreneurism. Uh, I've sold two yeah. and a half billion dollars in my career. I've been involved with lots of companies, but probably never a Fortune 100 company. Um, what couple of things that you took away from being in charge of all that? Well, it, first of all, it, it's a very lonely place. Everyone thinks it's hustle and bustle, but it's pretty lonely. I mean, you're, you know, I basically was like four or six people on my entire floor because I own the floor. I mean, and it was mine, right? Along with right. The, one of my other executives that was up there. So that that's one of the things. So it's it's you got to make the decisions and it's really up to you. So the person that's going to help you is looking in the mirror. You know, that's really, truly it. I always called it the mirror test. That's the first book I wrote was about the mirror test because the only person coming to your aid is the one that's looking in the mirror. And so the, you have to really, truly, you know, understand. You have to be very grounded, too, um, you know, and really understand what problems you're trying to solve because you're moving at break speed. I mean, Forbes, you got to imagine at that level, you know, I would go to a trade show and literally at 7 a.m. when I'm supposed to leave, there's someone outside my door. 
they get they're briefing me on the schedule. They they're handing me a Diet Mountain Dew because I used to drink Diet Mountain Dew like uh, like it was water years ago. I don't do that anymore. But I, and they would hand me a Diet Mountain Dew. Somebody had me a fried egg sandwich because that's what I like to have. And there would be somebody who walked ahead of us to go press the elevator button so that the elevator doors would be open by the time I got there. But there's because we're trying to compress that much time. And you know they pre-walked the route that we were going to go. So we knew exactly how to get there. I mean, so at that level, your time is very fragile or or very um, uh, valuable to you in terms of understanding that. So time is money. And so your time is inventory. And that gave me a a great sense as I went out and became a, a, you know, a a Hall of Fame speaker, a bestselling author, you know, consultant, you know, where we're basically trading time for money. Right. And the understanding of time is was probably one of the best things. And then the the next thing uh, is to go and find experts. You got a heart problem, go to a cardiologist, not a general practitioner. So why the, the things that you can do, certainly you can do them and you can do them very well, but it's really truly about delegating, eliminating, or automating, okay? And so I spend my day with those three words at the beginning of my day, and I look at those things that I can eliminate on my schedule, I might eliminate my entire schedule if something else is more important than something else. That's the way it happened. I mean, my first days at Kodak, I helped to sell a company for $2 billion. My first few days that I was there, I canceled the Olympics the first few days I was there. I, you know, our participation in the Olympics, which is a which was a huge decision because since 1896, we were the very first modern day, uh, you know, support of the Olympics. But we were paying 100 million dollars a year in order to be a sponsor of the Olympics. Well, how many cameras must you sell at a 10 percent margin, you know, in order to pay for the Olympics? You know, uh, you can't. There's not enough cameras in the world that are sold that will pay for that. But you have to, you have to make those kinds of decisions. That's constantly. a tough one. Yeah, it's a tough one, but it was an easy one. You know, I, I turned to the boss, I turned to my CEO and he says, hey, Jeff, you know, this is the decision that George Eastman made. And you're now telling me that we need to do this. I said, Antonio, let me let me lay this out for you. And I did. And he goes, I'm with you. I understand. And he goes, he goes, you can make that. And he, I remember he said, you can make that tough decision. I said, I said, they're not tough when they're right. They're not Ooh, tough I love that. Right. right. And, yeah, you know, I mean, think about people you've had to fire Forbes. I mean, I, I don't like firing people, but there are times we had to. And if it's right, you have to do it. That's, you know, that's it's funny. You I'm, no? I'm a rather woo-woo creature. And last year, my word for 2023 was implementation. My word, which you just happened to mention on my very first podcast, is delegation and then in parentheses and domination. That's what this 2024 is for about oh, cool. for me. Good for you. Love it. But I will I- tell you that delegation is still something as an entrepreneur who's never had that level of, of uh, ability to, to delegate. Uh I'm working on understanding it on my own. I now yeah. have a very large team. I'm sorry, I have a team, uh, not quite to your size. I would love you to drill down though on timing. When you're an entrepreneur, because a lot of my audience are solopreneurs, how do you understand delegation of time? Well, you have to look at, at what can you, you can do, we're all given, that's the one thing we're all given that's the same, Okay. It's the only thing we're all given that's the same, as opposed to money and resources and other things, is time. Right. So the best use of that time, that's your that's your secret weapon. So you cannot waste it. It is the most valuable thing that you have. And by the way, if you go back to, we talked about reading books early, Stephen Covey, former friend of mine, you know, uh, Seven Habits <laughs> of Highway Successful People, you know, you have to balance your time, you know, for between 
your business, your personal life, right? Your your family, right? And you know, and uh, what was it? And, and your spiritual and being spiritual. I mean, now I probably had well, and your physical. Point. Stick your physical. Now, in you there. know what? I was going to say because I'm talking to you, right? Of, of all people, it's that it's your health and wellness, without question. And as I get older, you know, I wish I'd have paid more attention to that, and I'm doing a better job of that, right? Good, but. Uh, and that's why I'm no longer drinking the sodas and the other stuff. I'm, I, if, man, if it's not natural, okay, organic, or it's not water, wine, whiskey, okay, I'm not drinking it, you know, or wow. and milk. I love milk. I love milk. I love milk. Really? You know? We'll talk yeah, about yeah. that at some other time. <laughs> yeah. I love milk. Well, that's 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 a that's a holdover from a long time. But that's why I told you I love butter. I love fats. I love all that stuff. You know. I mean, but and and luckily I've got some good good genes that. It, I don't have bad. I don't have any numbers that are bad. I have no Good. no numbers that are bad. So, well, enjoy that. Yeah, uh, it is fascinating to me. So, when you left the corporate world, how what was the exit like, and why did you leave? I quit. Uh, I could have stayed, and I could have stayed for a while. I could have. I just I was done. Um, there and there was an incident that occurred in the boardroom. Um, with the team, I'm not going to talk about it publicly, but the, the, where I it was out of character and out of my sense of morals. You know, we went through some tough times in 2008 where we had to. You know, I I laid off. I I was in charge of laying off 8,500 people. Ooh. You know, and that's not a good thing. And I just didn't like the way we handled that, and I didn't like the way some of the other officers responded. And I just didn't care to be around people like that anymore. So I quit. Fascinating. So, and what did you do right I, after? I I went out in the speaking sir. I did what I did before. I went out in the speaking sir and put and hung up my card as a consultant and said, "Hey, here I am." And so I went on the road, started doing the speak. I came out with a book right away, hit the speaking circuit, and started building up. And then and then that led to my show on Bloomberg, um, television show on Bloomberg. And then that led me because I was doing a show called The C Suite with Jeffrey Hazlett, where I take you into the C Suite, where ninety nine percent of the people who work at a company never got to go into. And then I would tell you the secrets that occur in those C-suites and what the conversations were like. And so that was in a, you know, a, a primetime show that was uh, number one in its time slot. Um, and then I said, hey, I had more people watching me on TV than were watching, or excuse me, watching me digitally than were watching me on broadcast TV. I turned to Mike Bloomberg and I said, Mike, we should really build this business up. We should do a digital. He, they weren't interested in that. And I said, well, then I'm leaving. And I started C-Suite TV, which eventually also became C-Suite Radio. And the rest is history. Now we're 50 million downloads. We're in 38 markets. We're on United TV. I'm the longest lasting uh, running show on United and other airlines now. And it's just amazing. So we're having a blast. You know, I've got a comment that just came through. It says, late, I caught you, but now how lucky I am to listen to this conversation. So yes, I agree <laughs> with that. But thank wow, you. I you know, I, um, I there are so many questions that I've got at the moment. One of them is some big takeaways. I, I did not realize that you had a show. Forgive me, I was not watching Bloomberg Television. I was too busy watching Home Shopping. Yeah, uh, there which, you go. By the, you know, it's by the way, if I had enough understanding or had connected to you earlier, one of my goals when they were going through some massive changes is I thought, you know, I need to be CEO of this company. I said, they're yeah. missing. They don't understand the structure of their own company. And I watched it crumble. And then they got bought by QVC because they were, in fact, dying. Yeah, And so that was interesting. I've never decided to venture into the corporate world. I'm going to stay where I am very happily here, but I do run my own world as many of my people do. Give me a couple of suggestions before we go off to our next break about C-suite conversations for solopreneurs. 
Well, they're straightforward. If you have a C-suite, I mean, a lot of people think in the C-suite that we're meeting and talking all the time together. I might have saw my CEO once or twice a month, once or twice. Me, We might have talked on the phone about the same number of times. Now, this is when you know, we have private jets. He's got his. I got mine. We're all flying all over the place doing what we have to do all over the world doing the things we have to do. And I was the face and the and the voice of Kodak at the time too. So I was much more visible and also with the customers. But so we had a very clear definition of conditions of satisfaction. So the first thing is what are your conditions of satisfaction? I always ask every entrepreneur, the first question is what problem are you solving? Because they'll start telling me stories about what they're doing and so forth. I, I don't I don't give a crap about that. I'm trying to be good on your language. I get bleeped, <laughs> I get I get bleeped on my own shows because I would use the other word. But that most entrepreneurs don't always know what problem you're solving. And that's the key is, and so inside that C-suite, we're very clear about the problem we're solving because we don't have much time and we're really trying to get it done. And if they don't, you don't want to be part of that C-suite. So the first thing in that C-suite conversation is really understand, you know, what, what are conditions of satisfaction? You know, what is it we're doing? And then what problems are we solving? And by the way, knowing the problems that you're solving is where the real value, the real money is, and the speed to the lead that you can get to in a much, in a much more efficient manner. Who decides that at those levels? Is that just something that... It depends on who's got the responsibility, who's the who's the the real owner. If it was, you know, obviously with brand, the CEO is going to have in, in, involvement. But on the marketing stuff, it was it was always my call because those were, you know, he was giving me the air cover to go do it with the head of finance, the finance. He decides those things. Right. And even, you know, like when it was around marketing around a company that has 19 divisions, let's talk about that. And I a company with 19 different divisions. Even though there's a president of that division and he or she is holding the P&L, they're the real owner of that. But if it dealt with marketing, I could override that and say, no, you're going to do it this way. Because that wow. was that was the tension that you put into the system. So healthy tension is a very good thing to have because it's a check and balance, right? So, you, you know, you might have a lineman in a football team that's supposed to do this job, but the quarterback's calling the shot, right? So, but, and, and so forth and so on, but don't tell me how to block. You know, you know, right. those are the kind of things. And you're going to have that tension, which is great in the huddle. But you, we all know when to shut our mouth and go do our jobs. And so that's the kind of give and take that high performance teams have. We all know what we're supposed to do. And one of the cool things about that is like if you let me use this football analogy, if I missed a block and I didn't do something right and we come back to the huddle, I don't just put my head down and shut up and hope they don't know. They know because the quarterback just got sacked. What I want to do is come back to the uh, to the huddle, tell my teammates I screwed up. I missed the block. I won't let that happen again. Or, hey, I need some help. That guy is stronger than me or faster than me today. I don't know why, but I need some help. Because that's what high performance teams do. You know what's so cool is thanks to my 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 beautiful husband, I know what you're talking about in terms of football. I finally watched the game. Yeah. All right, you guys, we're taking our second break. Yes, I'm gonna I have a great story about watching Patrick Mahomes in my entire last year was based around him taking the ball to the end zone after he had broken his ankle, going, You do that. that's what we do here. All right, guys, you listen to the Forbes Factor. I'm just enamored with my guest right now. His name is Jeffrey Hazlett. Don't go away for the third part of our show today. Uh, we'll be right back. You're watching The Forbes Factor. <laughs> Voice America is on LinkedIn. 
connect with us today. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Listening to the Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You know, I'm reading these comments on, on Facebook that are coming in so fast I can hardly read them. But everyone's like, you have to bring Jeffrey to Mastermind. Well, I'll tell you what, tonight is Naked Mastermind. And I'm going to tell you, I think this man is buff enough to show up. So I'm going to put that <laughs> challenge out to him. Between you and David Meltzer, we're going to vote sexiest man. Yeah. Oh, I, hey, listen, I've seen David Meltzer naked and it's a sight. So there you go. No, well, I want to know not, why. No, I love Meltzer. <laughs> I, Meltzer is like one of those great people. I mean, you know this in this business. We know the real people. We know the fake ones, the false prophets. And there's a lot of false prophets out of there. You are truly one of the the, the real people that are helping people. And I just want to applaud you for that. Meltzer is a guy who had a tough life, tough where yep. he, you know, but his history has made him what he is today, and he's amazing. And every time, David, I love to get together with David. I love people like that who immediately you can you can sense the chemistry that comes through just the video cameras, you know. Yep. And it's amazing. I mean, you and I have that. We've always had that. And yet, you know, here we've never seen each other face to face, but we here we we've always done this kind of stuff. And and I just love people like that. So hats off to you for being able to pull great people together. You know what? I'm, I'm feeling very blessed. I certainly lived long enough, went through enough, and figured some stuff out. And I got to credit my children. I've got two very uh, very smart, ag- aggressive kids that not only do I want to leave a legacy for, and so I've got both sides. I've got on one side of my brain Jack LaLanne, and I got to stand next to Jack for eight years. And he's arguably the, the godfather of fitness. His wife is still around. Uh, she's 97 years old. And she said something very powerful to me because at some point as I was – pushing the age number up there, I got a little sad. And she sat me down and she said, what are you doing? I said, look at And she showed me a picture of her on the cover of this book she'd done. And she said, you know how old I am now? I'm like, I don't know, 40? She said, no, I'm 62. She said, You're, my 60s were the best years of my life. Don't screw it up. And I will tell you that I, I hear that every single day. 
And I think that more people need to hear that. And it's one reason I've chosen to be this role model. I've got a younger husband and I've got much younger kids. My kids are 42 years younger than me and Mm. they want me to be around for a while. And they, and I think if I hadn't had that, I wouldn't be the person I am. And I do view myself as quite the role model because as women, as a woman who fought in her industry forever, uh, I certainly succeeded or failed and I've got stories to share but now, like you said, this is the real deal. And you said something else that I appreciate about following us on social media at some point, because my husband is not, he doesn't like to talk about himself as good as he looks. He's not about himself, which is crazy. Um, but and social media tends to say, hey, here's a spotlight on me. Look at me. Unless you keep this mantra, which I have, that you're doing this to show other people. Yeah. And so he's going to go back and do the Arnold again in March. And I said, the only way that it makes sense for you to do this is if you follow if we follow as a community, your journey. I've woken up every day next to this champion who got physically crushed four years ago, sat in a wheelchair, went through depression and got up with his crutch and said, when COVID is over and they open the gyms, I'm going to be a winner. And I'm like, and then I'll tell you what, Jeffrey, to watch him limp on stage at his first competition almost shattered my heart. But, and I've never been that close to a champion, a physical specimen who just says, look, I'm, I, every night he wakes up and he's in pain. He'll never get over that because of his injury, but he does it. And he looked at me the other day and said, so you're going to the gym? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, and what does that mean? Who are you? I'm yeah. like, all right, all right. But, I mean, but what, what's the alternative? I mean, the alternative is you, you're, you show up and die. And I mean, and I understand for some people, they've got some really tough things they've got to go through. And I get that. But, you know, in the end, you know, it's like, like, look, I, I didn't have the best life growing up, but I'm going to make sure my kids had a better life and it's going to be better in some way, shape or form. That's that's the card you dealt. That's what you're supposed to do. That's what good people, you know, look, I, like one time I was on a board, a public board, the board, get uh, we had the chairman trying to take over the company. And some of the board members got together and said, you can't just do this. You got to go through a process. And in the end, we get sued because all the shareholders are suing. And even though there's three out of the five board members who say that you're not doing it this way, we made him do things and he sued us the whole bit. It was tough. I, I lost a lot of money during that process. But it was, the, and my wife says, Why are you doing this? I said, Because it's the right thing to do. It's what good people do. You, you know, you stand up and you live on principles and you do the things you're supposed to do because. That's what we're here to do. And I remember we were the front page of the Wall Street Journal and everything that was discovered all over the papers because of, we took on the chairman of this company and said, no, we're not doing it this way. You can't do it this way. You can't steal the company. And you, you can you can you do it, but the shareholders vote on it, but they're, they're, I'm likely they're not going to vote that way. So, you know, that's what you have to do. Just like your, your husband, you have to get up and do it every day because that's what you got to do. What brings you the greatest joy? My grandkids. My grandbabies, watching those little girls, um, and doing anything I can to imprint this on them, because I know for young women it's it's sometimes tough in terms of their self worth and everything else. I want them to walk with incredible swagger because they're smart, they're intelligent, they happen to be beautiful and pretty, and they're nice and it's unbelievable. And I just got a brand new third grandbaby. Um, and I can't wait to see her, you know, in a couple of weeks again. And, you know, I want that. I want to help that. I want to, that's my role. I got not, look, I've done what I've done and I'm going to keep doing it. But the real thing is what can I do for them? How can I help them? And so that brings me the greatest joy. Well, then I would love to introduce you to my 21 year old daughter, who's the CEO of my company. I'm at C-Suite. She's been running this company since she was 17 years old. Yeah, I love it. It's worth a lot. 
Yeah. Uh, she's currently with her brother in Guatemala. They went surfing in Belize or scuba diving or whatever they're doing now uh, wow. and running a major company. Um, and I'm doing that because she is literally this, she's this crazy role model. She has inspired yeah. me to have a whole new part of my yeah. life. And maybe she'll inspire your grandbabies. Yeah. Isn't that the cool thing to be able to see that that transfers and then watch them? I, you, you know, I would have said it like five minutes ago, we hit my head, my kids are my role model because of what they do. Now they do things differently than I would do. I think sometimes they're nuts, right? But they, they think the same thing of me. That's what makes us a family. That's what makes us wonderful. And, um, you know, and I just think that's important for you to do. And now, you know, my point, my, you know, I sit back and let them do what they do. I occasionally, if they'll ask me, I'll be glad to provide some insight or, or what I think is counsel and counsel is something different. You know, I run masterminds as well. Uh, we've got a thought leadership one. I've got one for heroes that have to sign a statement saying they're going to put people above profit. So, you know, we get together and I talk about, we, we don't provide advice. Advice is given by people who've never done it before. We mm. like to counsel. Counsel is given by people who have done it there once, twice, three times and say, hey, here's how I did it. You do it any way you want. And I think that's important for people to know that you can do it any, you can build anything that any way you want, do it any way you want, raise your kids any way you want. But let me tell you my story. <laughs> you know, this is so a good. You witnessed a lot. You've been at the forefront of a lot. I'm a little nervous as I'm looking at the landscape. We're going into another election, which I, I kind of hate these years, especially somebody who loves buying television time. What's your feeling about the future? What's going on for you? It's nuts. I mean, look, I used to be the, you know, partner of one of the guys that actually, you know, became president. I was a judge on Celebrity Apprentice for three years on that show. And I it's it's without question. I, what was it said? We got one guy who's who's old and 80, and we got another one that's facing 80 uh, a year a year or so to life, you know. So it's right. it's a little we're going to go through this. This country is made to uh, to weather the storms, good and bad, um, and we'll get through this. And it's nuts, and it should not be this way, without question. I think most of us look around and say this should not be this way, but we've got a we've got gra good grounding. We've got you know our founding fathers and mothers actually built a structure that's really good, and we'll get through it and we'll figure our way through it and um, we'll get through this craziness and hope someone will come through. We'll have a ways to come through. You see, and you see good that. enough. There's enough checks and balances that won't allow a lot of the stuff that we've seen. Right. And so we've got to change some of that again. Let's get back to the things that we're solving. And the, the reason we're in most of this mess is because people, you know, didn't take responsibility. You know, now we're finally, I said, I wrote in my book, my last book, The Hero Factor, that Trump has actually been really great for this country. And, and now people say, I'll oh, make America great. I'm not talking about that. Right. He's been, he's, he was great because he forced you to pick a side. Yeah. And, and for a long time in this country, we never picked sides. We never said, hey, this is what I stand for. And we need more of that in this world. And the more of that we have in this world, it will get to a better place. And for a long time, we we didn't vote. People didn't vote. They didn't give. They didn't do the things they needed to do. They didn't. They they tried to shirk their their jury duty. They tried to stop. You know, listening to politics. We need that. They stopped. Oh, we shouldn't talk about politics at dinner or at cocktail parties or right. at gatherings. We should do all of that. Okay. Because that's how we have a better, greater standing. This weekend, I got invited to go pheasant hunting. Okay. I love to go pheasant hunting. For people that don't like hunting, that's our state bird. And we kill it here in the state of South Dakota. 
Okay, that's what we do. We hunt our state mammal, our state fish, our state bird. Okay, we 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 do all those. We're the only state that does that, right? And I'm going with a person that in 1980 he worked on another campaign, and I worked on another. We went to Boy State. Okay, we haven't seen each other in 15 years. We are di- we are total opposites in our political value, political standing, not our values, but our standing and and the way in which we get there. But we're going hunting together with guns. Okay, and <laughs> come back, and we will come back in hugging and kissing each other in essence, right? Because we can have that great conversation and know you can have civil discourse without hating the other person across the aisle. Oh, man, your voice has to be loud. We've got two minutes to the end of this show, which is impossible, hard to believe. Uh, (laughs) Give me some thoughts for for what you want people to leave this broadcast with. Hey, you know, during we're going to hit an economic crisis. We're going to have some downturns. But during the worst crisis, some of the greatest businesses have been born. Okay, when you think back, uh, you know, 20, 20 years ago or back to 2008, Uber, I mean, was born. Airbnb was born. Who would imagine that you would let people come over to your house, sit naked on your couch, and they would pay you money for it? Okay. Sit naked on your couch? Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. So there's going to be great opportunities. So there's going to be some tough economic crises out there without question, but there's great opportunities if you work hard and do the right things and get to solving the problem you're supposed to be solving. Jeffrey, this has been amazing. I cannot wait to continue this conversation. How do we find you? Just reach out to me. I'm on social media. Find me on C-Suite Network, C-Suite Network, or at hazlet.com, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T.com. You can find me or any social media. I'm everywhere. What a prince. Your kids, grandkids, and that wife of all those years is quite lucky. Thank you for spending this time with me, and I look forward to seeing you again. Let's do it again. This has been too, too, too long in the making. You know, right? Hello. Let's go. Craziness. I just, I just adore you. All right, you guys, for those of you watching, thanks so much, everybody on Facebook. Let's start out this year, 2024, with a bang. We're going to roar with 24. Uh, I appreciate my guys at Voice America. I just want to send some love to them. They work very hard to make sure this broadcast is top rated, is on as often as it is, and just... You know, I'm living in a state of amazing gratitude and, and thanking. Let me say goodbye to Jeffrey. Thank you so very much. And everybody there, you know, I'm just going to leave you with these thoughts that you may only live once, but you know what? If you do it right, once could be enough. All right. On that note, bye guys. And I'll see you next time right here on the Forbes Factor. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you again soon.